is fun because you know as soon as we started going inside for meditation and this peace starts to move through ourselves and sometimes it's like you can feel it almost tangible in a way and I was watching Shanti here and she just settled right anywhere right away just settled in started getting the sleepy eyes and just it's fun because you know when spirit moves how it has an effect on the animal nature in different ways sometimes bringing peace and the physical just relaxes into it and then I think of like the cats where it can be the other way around where it stimulates a whole other process and such is the animal nature. And it's important to realize that, you know, we are not the animal nature, but yet the animal nature is going to do what it does in whatever response or not in accordance at all with the movement of the divine. And it's important to remember that you are the divine. You are the soul that is using this body that is of the animal nature of the world for experience. And sometimes the body will just come right into alignment like Shanti did and just go right in there with the peace. And other times it's going to stir something else up and cause a little bit of disturbance like the cat out there. And I just thought it was kind of funny just the, the two uh, experiences here with the dog and the cat. Hi, Shanti. Shanti, like focused. If we could focus on spirit like animals do on food, man, would that be? Yeah. <laughs> we focus on food like that, though. That's right. <laughs> we just was... focus on spirit like we focus on food. That's right. The meditation was like, tomorrow I'm going to cook chicken with potatoes. Like, oh, I'm going to put this spices. <laughs> See, there you go. That's, that's a funny thing, because the body is of the animal nature, so it will focus on those things. And it's important to remember that this pathway of meditation we're practicing here really is a mystical pathway of soul liberation, of the soul letting go of the physical, and the soul returning into its own divine nature, which is spirit. And that's what this journey is. This journey really is not about our physical lives. And that's a hard one to do because when we're here in this physical body, we're always so focused on taking care of the physical. And you can understand why it's so hard to let it go, to really now move into spirit and the the journey of the soul's return home to God. Just to even get 10% of the day, that two and a half hours to meditate every day, is a challenge for almost everybody. It's the world is that demanding just for the physical body. So, but it's always important to remember that no matter what we talk about, no matter what we do on this journey and all the things that come up mentally and emotionally and physically and all the things we need to handle in our own personal lives, this journey that we call the path of sound and light, the path of soul liberation, the path of loving, the path of oneness with God or God realization, all the names, that's what it's about. It's the spiritual journey. And it really has nothing to do with the physical. If anything, it's in the opposite direction of the physical. And I know that's hard to understand when we're really more focused and caught up in the body and the physical consciousness. And that's why it's important to take at least some time every day if we can to really give our undivided attention to the spirit within. Just to the spirit within. Even if it's only five minutes. Or if it's five hours, whatever it is, just something just to allow ourselves to keep stepping into 
that movement of loving. Not to remind ourselves. All the other stuff is for reminding. The talks, the, the posters, the calendars, the little quotes we all have. Those are the reminders. We need to actually take the time and do the meditation to have the experience. Not just read about it, not just talk about it, not just the reminders, but to actually do it. That's really the key here is the doing of it. And in meditation tonight, I was just reminded of that, that true action, this true action that we're doing here of the soul's journey home to God through these other spiritual realms, not the soul's journey in the physical realm. Where are we doing that? This is the action of the soul's journey into the realm of spirit, the soul returning home to God, the soul waking up to its own divine truth. And that river of loving, such as we talked about, just even moving into the meditation this evening, to understand that that really is that divine beingness of God, that divine presence of God's expression that we all live in, whether we know it or not or aware of it or not, we are all living in that, and we are all within that river and flowing along it. And once it's time to really begin to know that truth is when we'll be drawn to a path of sound and light to receive that action of initiation to begin to what? To wake up. Initiation is about awakening. To begin that journey of awakening to the knowing of the divine truth. We've always been in it. We've never not been in it. We've simply been asleep to it. So initiation is about awakening. To wake up out of the sleep. To wake up to the truth and to know the divine that we are. To wake up and know the truth of that action of loving. And so when we talk about all these different aspects from God's loving to the radiant form to the sacred name to the meditation to all these different parts or aspects of this pathway that it is all about simply that journey of awakening. And to remember it truly is a mystical pathway. Why is it mystical? Because these realms, these dimensions beyond the physical are foreign, are a mystery to the physical consciousness. Because this physical consciousness, this physical body is not of that nature. It is of the world. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The body came from the earth and the body will return. But the soul came from spirit. And the soul will return to the spirit. So it's important to remember that. Just this world's a reflection. Just like the body came from the earth and returned to the earth, it's a reflection. Just like the soul came from God and will return to God. The same thing. Just an amazing process. What we can learn just by looking at this physical world. But it's just a learning tool. It's just through reflection. Eventually we've got to let go of the reflection. Looking and learning in the world is just like reading a book or getting information because you can learn a lot, but it's still not going to wake you up. It's only through actually doing the practice of loving, the practice of going within, that are we going to have the direct experience and come awake and know that truth, to know what that is. And so what do we do? We listen to the words of a teacher. We listen to one who's walked the journey that can describe the route, the path, that can describe the technique, the how-to, to give understanding and clarity, to answer the questions, to assist and support along the way, to encourage or to inspire. It's important to have that, but then 
to do it. To do it. Because that's what it comes down to, is just the doing of it. No matter how much support or help or inspiration or teaching we receive, it comes down to the doing of it. And that's always the hardest part. But the funny thing is, when we really do it, it's always the easiest part, the simplest part, to just to do it. It's always easier once we get going and in the movement and taking action than it is to move towards the taking the action. So as we do that and we begin to go within, well, a lot of the role here, like Jim and I are sharing, or any teacher of this pathway, is to help guide the disciple, to help guide the one who is seeking God, who is traveling this great mystical journey of return. And so we, we look for what we call that radiant expression or that radiant form of God's loving. Often it takes the form of the spiritual teacher, maybe who initiated us or maybe one who's initiated us before that we feel and akin to inwardly, no matter who it's been. A lot of times we're, we're drawn to certain historical figures where there would be somebody like Jesus or Rumi or Moses or Akhenaten back in Egypt or Lao Tzu or whoever. There's been many of them that are well-known today. So we may find ourselves drawn to certain historical figures, not even fully understanding what that is. Because spirit and God's loving will use whatever form or symbol or expression that is going to assist us in our journey of awakening. And so that radiant form of God's loving can take on any form it wants. Because God knows what's going to assist us to awaken so even if we've been initiated with a specific teacher, such as Jim or myself or another, that spirit may even use some other form and spirit that we may relate to. Like if we are reading a book on Rumi or reading about Jesus, all of a sudden we may have an experience with one of those forms or teachers because we were just now experiencing through even reading to begin to stir us awake. So we'll even use these other forms to assist us to awaken the important thing to remember, it's not about the form. It's not about the personality. It's not about the name or the label. It's about the radiance that is coming out of that form, that divine, living, loving essence of God that is expressing through that radiant form that we call the spiritual teacher. Because in truth, it's simply God's loving or the Holy Spirit. Or as we say here, the sound and light, the sound current. All these names, that divine radiance is that very pathway. That is the pathway. That radiant form we call the spiritual teacher, the path of sun and light, that actually is the pathway. That's why we say, go into the light. You may see it as that purple or golden white. Go into it. That's the radiant form. You may see it as my face or gems or... Any other spiritual teacher, you go into it. You may see it as the face of God. You go into it. You go into that because that is the path. That radiance is the path. And it is simply to go into that divine radiance that is the beingness of God itself in expression. That's the river of loving. That as we allow ourselves to move into it, then it now carries us. All we have to do is allow ourselves to go in, and then it carries us. In truth, we're already in it. But sometimes we're hanging on 
you know, to the edge, hanging onto a rock or a stick or something, trying to stop our lives from really going with the flow, from being carried on to the next thing. And all you have to do is look in your own physical life, all the things that you want or desire or you don't want to let go of, you're attached to, or the things that you fear or expectations. You know, all the things we talk about all the time in here, those are all the things, in a sense, that we feel like are holding us back from really letting go to move into that river. But we're still in it. And we're learning to let go of these things so that we can have a greater experience of that movement, of that river of loving, of that sound current, of that light, of all of that. And as we do that, we begin to have more inner awareness, more inner experience. Often it's very subtle. Other times it's very direct. We may have out-of-body experiences. We may have dreams that seem so real or vivid. Those are all spiritual experiences, the soul awakening, the coming to know the greater truth and the fulfillment of its karmas in this world. It's both the path of liberation, the freedom of detaching, and the path of awakening, of coming into yet the greater beingness that it is in truth a part of, that has never left. It's all that at the same time. At the same time, it's all merging at once. But it's just that we sometimes experience it as a letting go. And other times we experience it as a letting go. But yet it's all the same thing, all at, all at once. It's just a matter of where we're focused. If we're focused into the world, it's often letting go. If we're focused into God, it's often just letting God, just being in the movement of loving. So if we want to have that greater experience, just realize where we're focused. And then in that, the learning takes place. A lot of it is learning, and in the learning and awareness, it all unfolds. When we wake up and know the lessons, the karmas, they're fulfilled. It's when we're asleep to them that we're still caught up in them. You want to get free of your karma? Wake up. Just wake up to the lesson that's there. But then we try, well, how do I wake up? I'm always trying to figure it out. I'm always trying to get it. Often the mind gets in the way, so how do we get out of that? Well, that's the whole thing. Focus on God. Focus on what you want to wake up. And as you focus on God, you wake up, and then all of a sudden you turn around and there's the lesson revealed. That's why we play with that let go, let God, and say, let God, and let go. So focus on God first, and awaken to that divinity. And then, when you turn around and come back to this body, to this consciousness, that greater light of awareness and awakening moves with you, and that light is what reveals the lesson. That's what frees us from the karma. That's what awakens us. That's how it works. Otherwise, everybody would be getting liberated if all they did was focus on all their physical lessons, but they're not. That's why it's always the path of inwards and upwards to really going to God and then allowing that loving of God to express through us, to reveal the lessons, to liberate the soul. So it's important to understand that somehow, some of how that works. There's always one great attachment we do want to have. There's always this letting go and wanting to get detached, right? But we do want to have an attachment, and that is to be attached 
to that radiant form of God's loving. We want to get attached to that. That's what the initiation is about, is getting attached to that sacred name, that sound current, that voice of God, that expression of loving. And so we talk about how that loving moves, how it expresses, and that's why we have names like the radiant form, the light and the sound. Because that's the very thing we want to get caught up in, we want to get attached to, we want to focus on, we want to grab a hold, even though you can't grab a hold, but you want to grab a hold. We want to keep going for that. As soon as you find yourself getting caught up and attached to the world with the mind and emotions in the body, don't try to let it go. Rather, add another attachment. All right, God, I'm going to grab onto you now. At the same time, I've got all these other things running because guess what? God's going to pull you through it all. There's nothing stronger in any realm, in any consciousness, than that radiant loving. Nothing is as strong as that. So if you grab a hold of that, automatically that is going to lift you above all the other attachments. And you know what's funny when that takes place? We know it. Those of us that are really, in a sense, addicted to the meditation, and when you don't get your fix that day, you're like, oh my God, I just don't feel as good. And then you meditate, you go, oh, thank God, I feel so much better. You know that? When we get that, that's what that is. You get your fix, because that's that pull of the loving that pulls us out of all the other stuff that we're caught up in. And that is all we need. That's the funny thing. That's all we need. You know that thing, when you have God, everything else is taken care of? Well, that's how it's taken care of. Because God brings us through that. We don't bring ourselves through it. We think we do. The ego would love us to believe we do. The ego would love it if it thinks it's all powerful in a creator, just like, what, the creator of the realm of time and space, Lucifer, Satan, believes he's the creator. But all he's created is a reflection. He can't create, he can only reflect. And such is the ego. The ego is just a little spark of that Lord of reflection, where the soul is the divine spark of the true creator. This world of reflection is amazing. Just as the spark, the divine, the soul has been made in the likeness of God, so has the ego been made in the likeness of the Lord of Reflection. It's the same thing. The Lord of Reflection believes it is a creator, it is the Lord of all, and so the ego believes it is a creator and the Lord of its life. But that's the illusion. That's the illusion. And the soul simply fallen asleep and gotten caught up in the illusion. And so all we're doing is awakening to the truth. That reflection would not exist without the light of spirit, without the soul giving it life. It would not exist. This world of reflection does not exist. It would not even have the appearance of existence without the light of loving of the soul. It just wouldn't happen. So don't worry about getting out or liberating yourself from the karma. Just focus on awakening, returning, going home to God, or at least grabbing a hold of God, seeking that radiant form. Get attached to the radiant form. 
but sacred name you've been given or yet to receive in initiation is that attachment, is taking the hand of God, is holding on, grabbing on to so that now God can lift you out of all this. That's the way it works. It's the only way. That's why there's so many people walking all types of different pathways and different faiths and religions and whatever practices trying to find their way out not realizing how simple it is. Well, all you got to do is take the hand of God and God pulls you out. It just takes so freaking long that we often miss it. We're not patient enough. Not realizing this journey through time and space in time and space is a heck of a long journey. In the spirit of eternity, it's nothing. But in the illusion and reflection of time and space, it's a long time covering a lot of space. So that's how we feel. That's why it's so easy to get caught up and have the experience of being lost here. Because it's so vast, so big, and it takes so long. So many levels. So many distractions and illusions and experiences to have. And all we need is one. All we need is one. And that is the oneness. You get that one, and that's all you need. That's all any soul needs. And those of you that are walking this journey of awakening, that's what you're doing. You're coming into the knowing. You're coming into the awareness of that oneness. Just remember that, and then do it. Then do it. Again, that's always the key. Remember it. But the next time you find yourself in a process where you're upset, and going through your stuff, take a break. Take a recess from the school, this classroom of life. Take a break. Sit down, close your eyes. Take a rest. And start going into that radiant form. Start chanting or singing or saying that sacred name, or the hue or the anahu, or even just I love you, Lord. Just simply refocus yourself back into that. Look at just like tonight. We did about 15 minutes or so, even with a little meow interruption. But yet, that doesn't really get in the way. Oh, sure, it can be a little pull on the physical level. But it doesn't have to pull us out of spirit. We could still stay centered. Or if you lost your center, didn't you just come back to it pretty quick? Just come back into that. It can just take a moment. Or it can take a little while. So give it the time and get refocused, get centered, and allow yourself to move back into that place of peace. And there's your answer. There's your answer to everything. Your answers are not information. Your answers are simply living in that divine flow of loving. That is the answer for everything. No matter what the question, God is the answer the experience of God. Not the word, the experience. So we need to move into the experience and then go with that. Just allow that radiant form to carry the soul back to its true home, its divine origin. That's what this is. That's all we're doing. In truth, there's no mystery about it. There's no mystery to this mystical pathway. 
This is simply a process of awakening in the soul, returning back home to the divine. That's it. But we just don't know what that is until we do it. And that's what we want to do, is just do it, do it, do it. That's why we get together like this. That's why we do the meditation. That's why we do the retreats, to do it. Yeah, we do a lot of talking, because that's part of the process here. The talking and truth is a divine flow of consciousness into the world to start to stir that spirit awake in the physical level because we are here in the physical level having experience of getting together like this and hearing words of wisdom, if you want to call them that, is really just opening the door to let that divine loving flow into the physical consciousness to begin that action of setting it free so that it can attach itself to that movement of spirit within. That's what we're really doing when we have these gatherings, is opening to receive that divine grace of God. Talking, look for that. Look for that. Instead of the information, go for the experience of that grace when we get together like this. And you know what's really cool? All the questions you have or information you're seeking, when you let that go and really just allow yourself to move into the loving, as you move into that, you go, ah, and you just relax into it. At some point, all of a sudden, you start to have an inner knowing to get your answers of the information you're seeking to take care of whatever it is you want to take care of in your life. But if you go into meditation seeking the answer or of information, you're actually getting in the way and blocking that divine flow of loving into your consciousness. That's why you want to let it go. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else is added. So you just see God and then it's added to you. Don't worry about the letting go. Again, just go to God. I know we say this over and over, but we have to do it over and over. That's the funny thing. That's why we got to do it every day. And sometimes many times throughout the day. On your lunch break, do a little meditation break in there too. At the end of the workday, do a little meditation break. When you go to bed at night, do a little meditation break. When you get up in the morning, do a little meditation break. Anytime, anywhere. I remember when I was working the 9 to 5, if in the middle of the afternoon, if I needed a break because I was getting too caught up and stuff, I would actually just go to the bathroom and sit in the stall for a few minutes and go in there and meditate just to get away from everything and get myself refocused back into spirit. And it would, it would bring me a peace, and it actually re-energized me. You know when you get really tired, like physically? You give your body a physical break and you go in and meditate, and when that doorway to spirit opens within your consciousness and it floods you, it regenerates, it rejuvenates, it re-energizes, it revitalizes, because that is the life force that feeds the body. What's well, actually the life that feeds the soul, and then the soul feeds the body. Well, it's an interesting process how it works. And I know many of you know that or have had some kind of experience or maybe haven't or you did and you just didn't know what it was. So I keep coming back to this radiant form. It's important to understand what that radiant form is, what the true spiritual teacher is, 
what God's loving is, what the path of sun and light is. And that is something that I think is one of the biggest things to understand. It's easy to get confused. It's easy to get caught up in the physical personality of a teacher. It's easy to get caught up in a form or an expression. Because that form, it actually brings you back into the formless. But in these realms of individuality and duality, spirits even got to take on a form to assist the soul of moving back into that oneness or the formlessness. From the name to the nameless. It's been given all these references throughout time. So we try to describe that as I did earlier. Look for that radiant form. Go with that radiant form. Take the hand of that radiant form. Talk to that radiant form. Trap with that radiant form. Surrender to the radiant form. Give up all your stuff to the radiant form, the good and the bad. Give all your joys. Give all your belongings, all your possessions. Give them to God. Give them to the radiant form. You can't physically do it, but inwardly you can give it all up to God. You can give it all up that loving. So give it all up. You want abundance in your life? Give up to the, the attachment to what you have in your life. And then you make a whole lot more room. And then God can give you greater physical abundance or maybe take some things away to simplify your life. Because often it's a process of letting go and simplifying and then later as you get free and liberated, then maybe you hold a place of freedom and detachment and liberation so that God can now bring even greater physical abundance to be of service for your soul and maybe for others to assist them through your abundance. It's an action of service and freedom then, not physical material attachment. We've got to let go of our attachments to the physical material to get the freedom and then spirit can bring in the greater abundance. Otherwise, if God brought in the greater physical abundance before we got that spiritual freedom, we may develop even more and stronger attachments. But even if that's the case, you don't have to worry because that's just simply part of the karma flow about soul's learning. No matter, no matter how it comes, it's just fine. I hope I'm making sense when I'm describing some of this so that you realize it's all an inner process, not about the outer, it's all an inner. About each of our own learning and expression. For me personally, I really simplified my life. Letting go of physical stuff, really down to just a few things. Just a few things, physically. As I work through my karmas to get freer and freer. And then as I did, when it really didn't matter, I was down to just a few basic necessities, and the karma was done, then all of a sudden things shifted. And now in the greater freedom, then came the greater abundance to be of service. Even in the material world, those things that are needed to even support the action of service in the material world, God brings forward to support. But first I had to simplify and let go of all my attachments, my desires, my wants. How did I do it? I simply wanted God more than all the material abundance. That's it. I simply wanted God more. 
And that's all any of us have to do is simply want God more than anything in the world or in our lives in any way. That's it. That's how simple this is. You don't have to work at getting rid of things, thinking that's going to get you free. It ain't. You could give away all your belongings, completely be a pauper. And if you haven't really let go of all the attachments inside, it's not going to do you any good. So don't get focused on the physical, thinking that's your pathway to freedom, or that's your path of what's making you stuck. It's not. There's nothing to do with the physical. I'm talking about material things right now, but I'm also talking about your body. That has nothing to do with your spiritual liberation. A lot of times we think, oh my God, I've got to be vegetarian. I've got to be healthy. I cannot have an illness. I can't have a negative thought. You know what I'm saying? It can be anything, in other words. If we make it about the physical, that's what creates the attachment. It's not about the physical itself. It's about the attachment to it. And that's a real challenge, especially as we get older, because the body starts to wear down and break down. And we have all these things of greater imbalance in our health. And a lot of the times we'll judge ourselves and thinking, oh my God, what's happening? And so we think we have to fix it and live an image of perfect health in order to be spiritual. Because often we think, oh my God, if a guy got problems with my body, I'm got some karma that's really keeping me stuck, right? I did that for a long time. And I was miserable. Till one day I was realizing I was trying to get the diet so perfect and clean. Somebody next to me, I saw in the grocery, the natural health, organic grocery store, whatever. I don't remember, this is years ago back in California. I realized I was trying so hard to get it just perfect. And I was not enjoying life at all. I was miserable. I was upset, irritated, angry. And I didn't even realize it at first until all of a sudden one day I was shopping and right next to me was this other guy that was way caught up in it. I call him the beanstalk. Because sometimes I've seen people and they're so caught up in just the perfect, organic, and healthy, whatever. They get really skinny and they kind of get the beard. It's great, you know, all that, what I'm talking about. What do they call that in Whole Foods and Austin? Uh, the granola? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but extra granola. <laughs> but next to me, this person, I just felt this wave of anger just come off of this person and I'm like oh my god and I looked and I realized that's the direction I'm headed because I'm trying so hard to get such a perfectly pure physical diet so I can perfect the body and never have an illness or an imbalance again and that just hit me like a ton of bricks as I say He may have been doing all the physical things right, but that anger that came, I went, oh my God, it was that energy. That energy is what keeps the soul in bondage. That was one of the biggest awakeners for me to realize how caught up I was getting on the physical level. I'd grown up with a lot of holistic health things for many, many years. That started to change everything. I realized, oh my God. You know what? The body's going to die anyway, no matter how healthy it is. It's going to die. None of all these monks even have been able to do it. Who can do all these amazing things like, what, laying on a bed of nails or sitting on a block of ice or levitating or anything. They still die. 
So what good did it do? Really, ultimately, what good did it do? Well, maybe it was pretty amazing in the physical level, but what good did it do really for the soul in its journey of awakening and freedom and reuniting once again back in its true spiritual essence? What good did that do? So these are only just a couple little examples of my own life, but I'm sure each of us can probably relate to these things in our own lives. Pay attention to those things. Now, I'm not saying to ignore or avoid or deny the things in your physical life, because, yeah, we still need to take responsibility for, to take care of, to handle things in our lives. You know that phrase, everything in moderation? Well, it's called pay attention to the areas in which maybe you're out of balance or too caught up. And pay attention also to those areas that maybe you're avoiding and not taking care of. Because that's what I did for a while. I was caught up over here and then all these other areas I was trying to avoid because I didn't want to handle them. I didn't want to deal with them. They were too uncomfortable. I didn't want to have to work. I didn't want to have to make a living in this world. I just wanted to meditate my way out of here. <laughs> and I thought that's all I had to do. I really did. I thought that's all I had to do. Thank God I had really accepting parents that actually helped me for a while until I finally figured it out. But I didn't figure it out. I just kept moving forward, having experience, having experience, and one thing led to another until eventually what? Life often will bring us, or we bring ourselves in life, to a point where, in a sense, it seems like now we're in a corner and we don't have any other choices than to do the very thing we are trying to avoid. Until eventually I had to get a job. I had to start taking care of myself. I went, oh my God. And then I did, and everything started to open up again. I actually started getting happier, more joyful in life, even though I was a little bit tired from working. I had a lot more fulfillment. I was finally meeting the challenges and the things that I was avoiding. I was facing my discomforts and my fears and finding great fulfillment. That's where we get these words like, job well done. Because often when we make an effort, we feel good about ourselves. We are productive. We are constructive. We did something and say, wow, I feel good. Isn't that interesting? There's value there. It's important to pay attention to that. And the same thing is true. What? Don't we even, when we go into meditation, say, wow, I had a good meditation today. Where we go, well, today wasn't so good. <laughs> so here we are. Are we really judging our meditations? <laughs> or are we just saying, well, today... Maybe I really worked it well and had a good experience, or today I didn't work it very well and I had a bad experience, or whatever the reason. This is what we do. That's part of the nature of this. But the key in all of it is making an effort. What is that? You'll never succeed if you don't make an effort. Well, I don't want to because I'm afraid of failing. Well, it's all part of the game. I often call the game, too, because it really is. You win the game, you lose the game. Until eventually you just stop playing the game. Maybe that's the way you get free. You get neutral on it, right? All right, I'm not playing anymore. When I was a kid, I'd get upset because I didn't like it. I'd throw the whole board up so nobody would win. <laughs> game over. <laughs> that's what we feel like in life, right? I just want to get out of here. Game over. <laughs> And then we go, I'm still there, and now there's just this mess all over the floor i got to clean up. <laughs> Which I would, or I'd just cry and run off and storm off to my room, or whatever. 
We all do that. We all go through a little tantrums or this or that, and sometimes we got to clean it up. Sometimes other people clean it up for us. All part of the process. But I did learn when I make a mess, I can clean it up. That's the good news. Maybe if we realize that, we won't be so afraid to try. If we're scared of making a mess or failing, then maybe if we realize, well, hey, maybe I can clean it up. Maybe I don't really fail. Maybe I'm just learning from my experiences, and if I make a mess, I'll just clean it up. That's what I learned. Ultimately, we can't stop the process. We cannot stop life. Ultimately, we're going to have to face the music, as they say. We're going to have to handle things. We're going to have to learn. Yes, it's a have to. I wish it weren't. This world is have to's. That's the part that sucks. That's the part that we all rebel against. Everybody does, because the soul knows it is not of this world, and it knows it's entrapped, and we feel it. We're just unconscious to it, but yet we still go through the motions of rebelling and denying and avoiding, because we want the freedom. We don't want to be controlled. We don't want to be told what we have to do. We don't want obligations. We don't want any of that. Because in spirit, there is no obligation. It is just freedom. It is loving. It is life and continuous expression and movement. It never stops. But there's also none of the limitations or illusions or have-tos. In the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as no or you can't, or that's impossible. That just doesn't exist there. And it's only here. But that's the good news, because when we experience those limitations, those obligations, those have-tos, and we want to rebel, that's actually a good thing, because that's us waking up to knowing that we want the freedom. We want the freedom. What do you think? All these wars and this and that and this world is about. Isn't war always about people wanting their freedom? From what? From others trying to control them, right? And we're always experiencing that. As kids, as we're growing up, I want my freedom from my parents. They're controlling me. At work, we want our freedom from our bosses. They're controlling us. With our friends. I don't. I want to leave my friend, but I do because they're always trying to control me and tell me what to do. Everywhere. We're always at battle or we call it arguments or having a heated discussion. When it gets heated too much, we pull out our weapons. I know it's always a downward spiral from words to physical to brutality to eventually killing. It's always about what? People trying to control or people trying to get free of control. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's what I've observed. And sure, there can be other other little detailed reasons and all that, but ultimately, what does it boil down to? And why? But you see, that's a challenge. People are always trying to get their freedom in the world, and it does not exist in this world. It just does not exist. Isn't it funny to this day all the wars going on? Hello? Look at history. Hasn't it always been this way? What do they think is going to change now? And are you one of those people that you think you're going to find a freedom now in the world? 
Well, eventually we realize that it ain't in this world and it never will be. History's taught us that. Why, we, why do we want to think it's going to be different this time? Well, you sound so pessimistic. Where's some optimism? How about some peace? How come you're not that way? Well, I've got all kinds of words for that, but those I won't express. And we all do. It's called, what? Who cares what anybody's opinion is? Learn from your experience. Pay attention. Look at not only history, but your own personal history. Just look at it. Learn from the people around you. Wake up and realize the truth of the illusion. Because as you do, then you'll stop trying to control your own illusion. And the funny thing is, when you stop trying to control your own illusion, it's how you begin to set yourself free. That's the letting go. We have to let go of our own illusions. And then we can let God. Because we can let God all we want. But until we finally let go, it ain't going to happen. Because God's there going, yep, I'm trying to lift you, but golly, man, you got to let go of that thing. But I'm not going to make you let go, but I'm not going to rip you away. Because I gave you freedom of choice. And in your freedom of choice, you get to choose what experience you want to have and learn the lessons that go with that experience or those experiences. So God's not going to inflict on us. It's why it's called unconditional loving. God loves us unconditionally and allows us the freedom to make these different choices, to have the experiences and learn what goes with the experience. And then when we, what, often finally, it's like, I finally have had enough of that experience. Get rid of it. Not just let go of it. Get rid of it. Yeah, I know. It's quite often the case. And then we try to get rid of it, and then we go, why doesn't it go? I'm ready. I'm letting it go. Get it out of here. And now there's this other part of the lesson called, okay, now you need to learn to love and accept it. Because now you're trying to get rid of, rid of it out of judgment or fear or some other type of way of, let's just call it reaction, to simplify it. So we've got to even come to the point where we let go of trying to get rid of things and now just move into loving and acceptance. When we move into that, that's a state of unconditional loving. And in that, there's no conditions that is holding on. It is just open and neutral. And when we're not holding on, and we don't have anything in us that allows it to hold on to us, we're free. We're just now left above it. Because now we are letting God. By us letting go, we are now letting God. That's why it's a two-way street. You've got to participate with God, but then you've got to do your part as well and let God do God's part. And it's just discovering how that works. It's just discovering how that works. But the easiest, the quickest, the most direct route or route to that discovery is to go within, to focus on the divine, surrender up to God, love God, open and allow God to live in you and through you. And then the rest is just be patient, keep participating, keep your eye and your eyes open, do the best you can to live with loving and acceptance, and when you can't, work with forgiveness. Take responsibility for your life. Handle those things in your life 
Do you have the handle? And if you're not sure, ask. Check around. Find out what your responsibilities are. But don't make them have tos. Don't make them have tos. To say, okay, well, this is the thing in front of me right now. This is what's in my life. So what can I do with it? What can I learn from it? Let me love it more. Let me accept what's here. Let me be grateful for what I have and grateful for what's to come as well. So it boils down to just simply living life and loving. Living life and loving. But we've got to come to the loving in order to do that. And each of you here knows how to do that, has the tools, has the way, has what it takes. And now it's just up to you to do it. All right.